0: He tried to fool everybody. He was going there for the wings. No, first, there for the legs and the thighs, he went there for the legs and the
1: thighs. Hey, everyone, welcome to another episode after a very long break of the Wall Street Journal podcast. We return just as the NBA has made its return to after four and a half long months. Never thought we'd get to this point where we'll have live games again without fans, of course. But it's just great to see basketball. What are your thoughts, Nishant?
0: I'm so excited to finally be able to, um, you know, drink a beer, kick back, watch these athletes play the intensity of basketball is much better than I expected it to be. So it's, you know, it's feeling like playoff basketball already. Yeah, it's definitely a unique
1: scenario where they come in and they are immediately put back into the end of regular season mode. And it's not like a regular nor start of a season. Um, Every team only has eight games and the intensity of these games are just incredible. And especially for the teams trying to get that eight spot in the Western Conference, but one thing, just overall, that I was pretty impressed by so far is most of these players seem pretty in shape. Definitely much better than the previous lockout in 2011 after a long break. Most of the, no, no, there is some rustiness with like the shots for sure, but everyone seems pretty good overall
0: with their conditioning. Um, did you have you noticed that as well? Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about the fact that you know if this was the '90s, people when they take off the off season, they're really not doing anything. But these guys are so conditioned from the day that they get into the NBA by watching some of the veterans, you know, play off as a 12-month sport, and that means that they gotta exercise on their own. Part of the reason why you know they might their shooting might be off is because they're just not in that game rhythm. But the pace of basketball is much faster than I expected. I expected it to be sort of slow grind down trying to protect the players from getting these soft tissue injuries but they're playing fast they're playing as if you know we didn't have this four and a half break which is which is tremendous uh, and it shows how much these athletes pride themselves on staying in shape even when they're not accountable from the team perspective and I think part of it is also just the social media age
1: uh, in the 90s or just before social media in the offseason I'm sure everyone was just doing their own thing. They were back in their home cities. No one was really in touch, but it's so easy now if LeBron posts a video on Instagram of him working out in the gym, even during this hiatus. Then like another superstar is going to look at that and be like, okay, I have to do workout too. And then what happens is like, the, if the leader of the team is posting workout videos, I'm sure the people, other people on the team are like, okay, I have to stay in shape too. So I think it's just a way that everyone is being held accountable by just seeing what the work is being put in by some of the top stars and then everyone knows they have to be a, they have to do the same thing in order to keep up when the season does resume um and i think that was one thing a lot of these players did a good job of they didn't just assume that the season was going to be and um, they knew it was, it was just it was suspended and there's a good chance that it could be resumed at one point it looked like it may not have but i think they all kept that in the back of their heads that the season had a good chance of getting resumed and they all stayed in pretty good shape uh, but just starting off with so that first game, Jazz Pelicans, pretty pretty big game for the Pelicans. Z- Zion coming up already with a minutes restriction. On again, just when you think he's ready to be let loose, um, has a minutes restriction. He's not in the game at the end of the fourth quarter. Uh, just quick to what was your biggest takeaway from that first
0: game, Jazz Pelicans? The biggest thing I, I I was worried about is you know the pelicans we all we all understand that the nba sort of made this play-in situation in the favor of the pelicans because you know they make money off of zion williamson and he's in the league and people he's exciting and people want to see him what i didn't like and i know he had to go home and see you know take care of his family and he came you know just the day before the season started so he didn't have all of the reps that everybody else did with the rest of the team but what was disappointing was you know at the end of that game zion williamson was just sitting on the bench and it's you know, if you're going to go for the playoffs, I know it's his first season, but if you're going to go for the playoffs, you know, going four or five minutes over your minutes restriction shouldn't be the problem. And if that's the case, then you should manage his time better in the first three quarters. Because what you want to do is, you want to see how he performs in these clutch situations. And I thought that was the most disappointing thing for me, is is that NBA came back and it feels like Zion Williamson didn't change what he needed to do. Yeah, um, you know, that was the biggest thing with
1: with Zion, it's, this guy has to be at some point let loose. Um, and, you know, he keeps coming and keep having these breaks. And when when is he finally going to get that consistency of free, regular play without breaks in action? That's the only way he's going to be able to just establish himself. What what I did find interesting in that game, so the Pelicans jumped out to a huge lead. They had a 16-point lead in the first half. And then I thought, wow, okay, Jazz dysfunction. <laughs> We heard all the stories about how Mitchell and Gobert don't get along, and especially with the way Gobert handled the whole coronavirus situation. He didn't take it as serious, and that Mitchell was upset with him, and they were not on the greatest talking terms. And it was just funny to see how at the end of the game, it came down to a Donovan Mitchell drive past to Gobert, who got fouled and made the game-winning free throws. I just thought it was a funny way everything comes full circle with Gobert in the not he 's not the reason the NBA stopped, but if that positive test didn 't happen, who knows how much longer the NBA would have gone on and here he is in the first game back, he makes a game when he free throws to end the game. Um, I just thought that was like a kind of a symbolical um, takeaway from the, that first game
0: yeah, and I like how professional uh, Donovan Mitchell was, you know he obviously, from a health perspective was very upset about. What was happening with uh, with coronavirus at the time, and how and how the teams and all the players, I mean, and, and even you know the po- population in the United States was taking it as a joke. Um, but when it came down to it, and it came down to playing the sport and being a true professional, he did what he needed to do. And I'm sure there's going to be some things in the off that are going to come up, and we're going to hear about all the banter and all the trade rumors and all of that stuff. But I like how he has a mission in mind you know he wants to win and go is a way for him to win and if if he needs to put aside his personal problems he's willing to do that and that just shows that this young player has so much maturity in his game i think we talk about that a lot um about maturity in in, in these young players games you know one of the reasons i feel like that they we have the age restriction in the nba is because the the teams are worried that the players aren't going to be mature enough coming straight from high school and joining the NBA. But it just goes to show you, if you have good examples ahead of you, you know, the the leaders of the NBA, the the older guys, they've set such a good example for the younger guys. And Mitchell is no exception. I mean, he's, he's a role model for even younger players. And, you know, Jason Tatum is another one. He brought a children's book with him so that he can talk to his kids. I mean, if that's not maturity, I don't know what is. And so, you know, my fingers crossed that they get rid of that restriction. And so that way the players can go from high school to the nba um and they can be mature and professional like like mitchell was yeah all, all these guys
1: just come so ready into the nba now just because they've they've had a the exposure from a young age and once again with the social media age they're on all these instagram pages and youtube pages with the hype videos so they just have had exposure for so long and so they come very ready into the nba which just had a be a professional, um, but, you know, that Gobert situation this offseason is going to be interesting for sure because he's going to be eligible for a Supermax extension, um, and, you know, whether the Jazz offer it is a question or whether they even should because paying a big man that much amount of money is probably not the best idea, but is he going to want that money? That's going to be something to look forward to. The, the second game that night, so we had Lakers Clippers marquee game Uh, Clippers, obviously not at full strength. No Lou Williams, as we know the situation with him, Uh, heading to Magic City for the Wings, as he claims. Uh, But no Lou Williams, no Montrezl Harrell. Patrick Beverly was limited. But they still had Kawhi and Paul George. Um, The Lakers pretty much were at full strength, except no Rondo. But that that game was, I felt like how every Lakers-Clippers game has been this year, where the Lakers have always jumped out to a lead they don't know how to maintain it then the Clippers always climb back and you know the one as a Lakers fan the one good thing to see this time was that the in the fourth quarter they kind of just made enough plays to win that game and not choke it away um but Davis looked like a beast that game that was my biggest takeaway from that game um Clippers have enough players to guard
0: LeBron and he wasn't that great in this game but Davis looked like a man amongst boys you could really tell that the Clippers were missing the defensive tenacity of Montrez Harrell. And I think one thing that I was a little bit disappointed in was that the Lakers couldn't capitalize on such key players for the Clippers that were missing. But it just goes to show you how deep the Clippers' roster is. And you know they can handle a, a player or two not playing and still be competitive. Um it's it's very interesting because over the over the long hiatus we heard a lot from all the superstars of the nba and the two i feel like we didn't really hear from was paul george and or whether it was you know things about um coronavirus or whether it was things about social justice and so it was uh it was nice to see that they kind of didn't miss a beat you know they're they're there to win their games and that's that's what they're doing and you know they didn't win today, but I, I think the Clippers' future is bright for the rest of this the, the rest of this playoffs. It's just Im- important to see how much Kawhi actually plays in the games that don't matter as much um, against not the Lakers.
1: Yeah, and whether how many of these eight games he'll actually play in. But that's a great point. I think with the Clippers, they have Doc Rivers, who's just their outspoken leader. He's kind of always willing to talk to the media and just be that voice of. Um, leadership and then they have Steve Palmer as well who's very outspoken so Paul George and Kawhi Leonard can just kind of take up a backseat and just focus on basketball um, the one thing I did notice in that game was when it came down to it at the end of the fourth quarter LeBron took on the defensive assignment he defended Paul George he defended Kawhi both on that last possession and he like was really tenacious on defense he like defended Kawhi multiple times down that fourth quarter And, you know, that's the one thing I noticed from that game is because of that, is that hurting him. It looked like it hurt his offense for sure. All that uh, energy he's spending on defense. And, you know, that's going to happen at 35-year-old, year year 17. If he's going to play that hard on defense, his offense takes a hit. And which is why usually he takes a break on defense. So that's something I'm going to keep an eye on going on moving forward. LeBron's been great on defense this year, but in the playoffs like when he's playing 40 minutes how much defense is he actually going to play and how much will that impact his offense
0: yeah we kind of saw it again in their second game against the Raptors I mean uh, Kyle Lowry was playing really really well and in the fourth quarter you know LeBron didn't pay too many minutes in the fourth quarter but when he did play he was guarding Kyle Lowry and you could tell the offense for the Lakers really sputtered in that time period because as good as Anthony Davis is and as good as LeBron James are, is if their other players aren't hitting their shots, which, you know, for the first two games, their three-point play for the Lakers has been abysmal. They were able to eke out a win against the Clippers, but, um, you know, they weren't able to do so against the Raptors. And so it'll be interesting to monitor if the players around LeBron can't shoot and score, and, you know, when they're wide open, it's going to be a long, long, long postseason or rest of the season for the Lakers. Definitely. uh,
1: If... It's pretty much that simple for the Lakers. It's how many shots do KCP, Danny Green, Kuzma, those guys make, and if LeBron can actually be the best player on the court, uh, that I think it's very that much. That's how simple it is. The one game I kind of did want to touch on, um, just one into other game. Uh, if you caught that Rockets Mavericks game uh, on Friday night, one fifty three to one forty nine. Granted, it went into overtime, but man, the like we were just saying that. On Friday, every single game the in terms of like the over under for total points, every single game hit the over um, these teams were just scoring at amazing paces and I think for some of these teams it 's almost good to have no fans for them because they 're just not rattled by like other teams making runs, and so they 're just always some teams you know they they 're boosted by the fans, but other teams like like we know with like for example the sixers on they 're very bad on the road, they just get <laughs> They just get pulled down very easily by uh, opposing fans. But that Rockets Mavericks game, man, what a show James Harden put on. 50 plus points. Uh, Porzingis, 39. It was just a great offensive performance. I never thought we'd see a
0: 153 to 149 score this early uh, into the seeding game. Yeah, I think the superstar that probably. Benefited most from the the long hiatus, maybe James Harden. I mean, this is the time of the year when you start seeing him sputter because he's tired and his conditioning isn't where it needs to be. But he had a long time to rest and work on his conditioning, and he looks like he's ready to go. I mean, some even some of the scrimmage games he was he was playing fantastically, and uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Hopefully, that this this type of offense can sustain when the games get really intense. Um, and you know there's not really much i can say about the mavs i think you know they're 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 one of the if not one the best offense in the league and maybe of all time um they're scoring at will and they got to play a little bit of defense if they want to win so let's (laughs) let's see if they could let's see if they could get their things together and play a little bit of defense otherwise um they're not going to have too much of a fun time in the in the postseason um Speaking of, you know, like home court advantage, it's, it's going to be interesting as the season winds down how these teams uh, care about seeding. I think, you know, in the Western Conference, people are going to try to avoid being the seventh and eighth seed. But in the middle, I don't really think it matters. You know, there's no home court this year. There's um, they're, they're all going to be playing. You know, they're going to have fans pumped in from the from the home team. But overall, I don't think it'll be that meaningful. There's not, there's no travel, and so I don't think there's going to be that kind of late season, you know, uh, game planning of like trying to, trying to play the game and trying to get against the team that you would rather play or, or, or fight for home court. And it'll be um, interesting to see if a couple of the teams kind of wrap things up a little bit early because the games will be a little bit less meaningful for them.
1: Definitely, uh, in the East, it's going to be very interesting how the seating works. So basically, I think it's I'm pretty confident this time we can say that Bucks will be one (laughs) Raptors will be two Celtics look like they'll capture that three so it really comes down to whether Philly ends up in that six spot or they somehow are able to move into that four or five slot um You know, yesterday's game definitely does not help that cause. I've missed it, but I saw TJ Warren scored 53 points. I needed to go back and watch the highlights. I mean, that might have been one of the most random 50-point games that we ever saw from a player. Like, TJ Warren would not be the one on your list of players expected to score 50 points in a game. Um, But, so Philly ends up in that sixth spot. They draw Boston. That would be an amazing first round. And there's debates about whether... They should stay in that sixth spot so that they could get Boston, who Joel Embiid, Boston doesn't have an answer for, and then they avoid Milwaukee in the second round, potentially, when they get to play the Raptors. Or do they go to that four or five spot and just play the, I guess it would be the Pacers or the Heat, whoever they ends up in that spot. Um, you know, I, I think, per, per, personally, I think they should... It doesn't hurt them to just be in the sixth spot, play the Celtics, who I think they match up pretty well against, and then get the Raptors. Um, where do you think Philly should want to end up?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately they got to stay out of uh, TJ Warren's way because <laughs> ultimately, you know, they can't, they have no answer for him offensively and defensively. I mean, how do you get let this guy score 53 points after, what was he, traded for a second round pick or something like that from the Suns? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, he was pretty much for salary. Uh, he's a salary dump essentially, and he goes out and scores fifty three points in the res- in, in 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 the you know the highly praised Brett Brown change to change up this starting lineup to put Horford coming off the bench and you know move Ben Simmons to the four. More and more, we're learning. You know, this is not. This is no longer. You know, as um, as small sample theater. This is becoming bigger and bigger sample that can these two guys really exist? And I know everyone says if you have two superstar players, they'll work it out, and these guys are young. But you can tell from a personality perspective that there are things that are starting to falter, not just on the court but off the court. You can see that Joel Embiid really wants to be the leader of that team, and right now the keys have sort of been given to Ben Simmons more or less just because he has the ball more often as a big man. You know you you rely on the smaller guys or the ball handlers to to get you the ball in your spots, and so I think Joel is starting to get tired of you know when is Ben gonna pick up his game offensively I mean Ben obviously is an amazing defensive player, but i I wonder if this team needs to you know figure out how on a on a personal level to connect these two guys like not just on the court but like what can they do to make these guys a little bit more friendly off the court so that they can produce a little bit better on the court? Yeah, I mean, I have no no answers for that. I mean, Philly's just one of those mystery teams. They
1: have all this talent, all this size. You know, everyone came in hyping up Shake Milton. Like, he's actually done something in the NBA that he's going to be the answer for this team. Um, but it's, it's hard to tell with Philly. They have all this talent, and they just somehow keep getting in their way. But, you know... You know, when the playoffs come, that's kind of the ultimate test with these teams. They, we've seen teams just flip a switch in the playoffs. They kind of put a put aside their egos and just perform up to their best standard in the playoffs uh, that they may have not done earlier. But you know, similarly on the West, I think the seeding does matter there too because um, so you have the Lakers at one, Clippers probably two, or they'll end up three. Maybe the Nuggets go up to three. But you know, for the Lakers, they're probably really hoping that the four-fives matchup is the Jazz and the Thunder, so that way they avoid the Rockets, they avoid the Mavericks, they avoid Nuggets, Clippers, all till the Western Finals, and you know they end up kind of in the easier bracket because they'll get the eight, and then they Jazz and Thunder, you know they're both excellent teams, but I, I'm sure the Lakers would rather face one of them than rather having to face the the Rockets in the second round. That would be kind of a daunting task, just. When you have two superstars like Harden and Westbrook, you just never know. They can take over a playoff series at any time, um, and so I'm, you know, there. I'm looking really closely at where this the seating ends up there too.
0: I kind of, I kind of think that the Thunder are better. I mean, I think we've all been overlooking how good they've been all season, and you know we. We have fallen in love with the Rockets over the course of years, you know, in the seasons that they've produced and in the seasons that they haven't produced. And I think what we forget is that the tenacity of someone like Chris Paul in the playoffs, you know, someone who doesn't shy down, may be better than, you know, this, um, this whole idea of, like, the Rockets. I think people love the idea of the Rockets. Now, are the Rockets really going to be able to produce in the time period? I don't really know. I, if I were the Lakers, I would personally want to play the Rockets. I know that you got James Harden and Russell Westbrook, who can turn it on at any moment. But also, like the Rockets are going to have no answer for AD. You know, PJ, when PJ Tucker's on the court, that's it. That's great. You know, he'll, but he can't play 48 minutes in a game. And who are they going to bring off the bench? Like, are they going to have like Robert Covington try to guard him? I don't think that's a great idea. Are they going to bring in Tyson Chandler? I mean, that guy hasn't scored a field goal since he was on the Knicks so <laughs> so uh, I don't think that's a great idea so I think matchup wise I probably would want to stay away from someone like OKC or, or, or you know and maybe even Utah because Gobert may be able to neutralize AD to some manner but I think the Rockets would be a easier matchup in terms of AD just feasting on them and that'll give LeBron some time to rest until he has to take on a bigger load in the next round if it's going to be the Clippers you know, in the Western Conference Finals that's just my thoughts
1: yeah, um, you know, it's it's hard to tell what's going to happen until these matchups that we can predict all we want, but till we see it, we never know. I, I mean, the Rockets, my micro ball, whatever, mini ball, just throws a whole wrench in these situations. But in the playoffs, you know, when you see it every single game and you have time to prepare for it, maybe teams respond to it better. Uh, I guess just for the remaining seeding games, you know, if there's one team that you're kind of most keeping an eye on um who who do you who would you say it is i guess you know for me this is going to be kind of off the beat answer but a team that i'm actually kind of looking to see what they do is the phoenix suns um you know they're likely not going to make the playoffs but they were invited to these games and they did win their first game against the wizards i devin booker was just great i think deandre ayton is someone that i'm just looking to see how he develops moving forward that booker eight in combo if eight in develops properly could be really good moving forward that could be like two cornerstones and then you just kind of build around them um you know they kind of have some three and d players they have cam cameron johnson mikhail bridges they ha- have a point guard now in rubio so they have pieces around those two but i'm looking to see if eight can be that
0: complement piece that booker needs I think I'm most looking forward to watching Portland. I think all season we've been seeing the you know, the, the trailblazers as a fragmented piece of who they really are. And it's exciting to see their whole team back together. Nurkic is back. Collins is back. And so I think that this is the push that they're going to make. And um, as much as I would have liked to see the Pelicans end up in that eighth spot, I think that the first thing that the Lakers should be really worried about is if Portland can eke their way in and be that eight spot because I think Portland may be able to give them some trouble because they have some experience unlike, you know, like the Grizzlies or, or the Pelicans. And so that's what I'm watching. I think that they're exciting. It's good to see uh, them all play together. And I, I, want, I wonder if, you know, eight games is enough time for them to catch up and also gel together because they haven't played hardly any games. You know, Collins really became a thing towards the end of last year. And so they've hardly played any games together, meaningful minutes together. And so it'll be good to see how they gel together. And then the last thing is like paying attention to Dame Lillard and his injury and just making sure that if they do make the playoffs, is he going to be healthy? And if, is he going to be, you know, Dame Dalla or is he just going to be limping around and sort of be a, um, a decoy player most of the series?
1: Yeah, I'm really hoping Portland doesn't get that eight spot. I really want it to be the Grizzlies. Um, Portland's just so dangerous now that they have Nurkic Collins back. Um, you know, even that first game against the Grizzlies, they looked like they were out of it. And then your boy, Melo, just started making some threes. Playoff experience with Melo, Dane. They just—I I hope the Blazers don't make it. That will be a tough, tough first-round series for the Lakers. Uh, but, you know, it's just great to have basketball back in general. Um, our The first game of the day is wrapping up here in the fourth quarter. <laughs> the Wizards and Nets— <laughs> as part of the two of the teams with pretty much their whole lineups depleted. (laughs) But, you know, they're still in the race for that eighth spot. Kind of just doesn't make sense why the Wizards were even invited to this tournament to me still. But, hey, here we are, 98-98. The game is wrapping up. So, looks like it's going to be an exciting finish. Although, whoever makes it out of these two teams, it's going to be a quick 4-0 sweep for the Bucks regardless. But, yeah, we'll sign off on this episode. Until next time. Bye, guys. See ya.